So we were reminiscing. There was a, a time when somebody visited our church and wrote a, a blog or something about uh, a, about the meeting, and Martin happened to be the visiting speaker that day. And uh, and they wrote that he was a sharp-suited Essex boy done good, which uh, <laughs> which we That's never true. tire of reminding Martin <laughs> of. However, as Clive was saying that, it did remind me that the. We're not looking for sharp suits this morning. We're looking for sharp words. And there has been many, many an occasion when Martin has spoken a sharp word to either us as a team or us as a church or on occasion me personally. And it has been sharp, but it's ultimately been very good for us. So I just want to encourage us to receive Martin as somebody who really is a man of the word, who loves the word, who lives the word. You know, we see how he lives the word in his marriage and with his family. Um, And so really just want to encourage us and kind of like really motivate us to receive the words that he's going to speak to us this morning. They're going to be great words for us. They're going to be sharp words for us. But if we can receive them, they'll be good and really life-changing and impacting. Amen. Amen. Can I pray for you? you Yeah, that'd be great. So, Father, I thank you this morning for the message that you're going to bring to us. I thank you for your Bible, and I thank you that as Martin's been preparing it, it's been alive to him. And we trust that in this moment, your Holy Spirit will bring those words and make them alive to us. Yeah. May they be alive and sharp and clear to us to respond and become more like your precious son. Amen. 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 Great. Thanks very much. I was a little worried when Karis said uh, Martin and Linda were at our marriage and there was a great message brought. I suddenly thought she was going to ask me what it was that was brought <laughs> And I was, well, I'm pleased you remember, I was going to be completely stumped. I would have gone for something like a call to three strands isn't easily broken or uh, build your house on the rock or something like that. Okay, I would like to speak to you this morning about inheritance. And if you want a title this morning, if you're taking notes, uh, the title would be The Hope of an Inheritance. Let me say this, whoever you are, Uh, there's always hope that you might suddenly find yourself coming into an amazing inheritance. So let me read you a few true stories. Uh, Sergei Sedev was studying to be a journalist. He was living a normal, not particularly wealthy life in Moldova when £730 million suddenly came into his life. A recently deceased wealthy uncle who he hadn't seen for 10 years, wrote him into his will. Poverty-stricken and homeless brothers, Zolt and Giza Paladi, lived outside Budapest in Hungary. They were homeless until they suddenly inherited £2.8 billion. The sons didn't know that their mother apparently came from a wealthy family. Many years previously, she'd fallen out with her sons. But when she passed away, she passed on her inherited fortune to them and thereby reforged the family bond somewhat, as you would do with £2.8 billion. (laughs) Luis Carlos Camara was a wealthy Portuguese aristocrat who, instead of naming his family members as heirs, chose 70 random people out of the phone book to inherit his vast fortune. A 17-year-old waitress named Cara Wood waited on a widower who often sat in her section of the cafe she worked in. The widower enjoyed Cara's company so much that he rewrote his will, and when he passed on in 1992, she received half a million pounds. 
Leona Helmsley was a New York hotel owner worth billions. When she passed away, she left around $12 million to her pet terrier named Trouble. (laughs) This was trouble indeed for the two family members who were completely cut out of her will in place of the do- uh, replaced by the dog. So, the long and short of these stories is this. Be kind to your mother. Keep connected with your uncles. Always serve a cup of tea with a smile. Never go ex-directory. Always stay in the phone book. <laughs> and always understand when it comes to inheritance, you could be in competition with the family dog. A husband and wife were fighting, and she yells at him, hey, the only reason you married me was because my great uncle left me inheritance of a million pounds. He turned back calmly and replied, don't be ridiculous. I don't care who left it to you. (laughs) All right, let's look at some scriptures to do with inheritance. Ephesians 3. Verse 8 says this, Paul says, Although I am less than the least of the Lord's people, this grace was given me to preach to the Gentiles the boundless riches of Christ. So what is the message of the gospel? It's that you can know boundless riches in Christ. Ephesians 2, verse 19 And Sorry, verse 13 and 19 says, But now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ. Verse 19, Consequently, you're no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people and also members of his household. So what does this gospel bring us into? It brings us into new citizenship. Once we weren't citizens, now we are citizens, citizens of God's kingdom, citizens of God's household. Colossians 1 verse 2 says this, And giving joyful thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of his holy people in the kingdom of light. So we have also been qualified. Qualified for what? Qualified to share in an inheritance. Ephesians 1, 17 and 18, I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so you may know him better. I pray that the eyes of your heart might be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he's called you and the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people. So what is this inheritance like? It is rich and it's a glorious Inheritance. And finally, Ephesians 1, verse 3. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who's blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. So who are we praising? The God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing he had at his disposal to bring into our lives. So what have we got here in Christ? Well, we've got new citizenship We've got boundless riches, we've got a glorious inheritance, and every spiritual blessing we could possibly be blessed with, and all these things come to us in Christ. Let me read you the story of Moses Bittock. In 2005, 
Moses Bittock celebrated an experience he had waited a lifetime to achieve. He became a United States citizen. That alone would have been enough to give the native Kenyan the happiest day of his life, but it was just a prelude. On the way home from the federal building in Iowa, Bittock stopped at a gas station to see the winning numbers in the state hot lotto game. He was surprised to find out that he had won $1.89 million. That's about £1.4 million. And this is a quote from Moses Bittock in the press that week. He said, it's almost like you adopted a new country and then immediately they gave you $1.8 million, (laughs) said Bittock. And then he said this, it doesn't happen anywhere else. I guess it only ever happens in America. Yeah, in America. only happens in America. Absolutely not true. That experience doesn't just happen in America, where someone becomes a citizen and then comes into all that fortune on the same day, because it happened to me. Happened to me on November the 23rd, 1980, and I wasn't in America. I was in Linwood Grove in Sale in Manchester. And I prayed for the first time in my life that if God was there, that he would show himself to me. And if he showed himself to me, I would give my life to him. And he showed himself to me. I gave my life to him. I received and discovered Christ that evening. And I not only received salvation, but I discovered on that very night that I'd become a new citizen. I'd received new citizenship. I also discovered that I had come into boundless riches, into a glorious inheritance, into every spiritual blessing that could possibly be given to me, and I discovered it all on the same day, just like Moses Bittock did. And ever since the last 33 years, I've been living out of those boundless riches, and I've been unpacking and enjoying that glorious inheritance. Every day of every year, tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of people in virtually every country of the world have a Moses Bittock experience. They discover the hope and joy of new citizenship and at the same time the hope and joy of a glorious inheritance that they come into alongside it. So I simply want to talk to you this morning about that inheritance I have seven points this morning, but I preached this message several times. I only once got through all seven points. The last time I preached it, I only got through three, so we'll see. I'll probably plumb for five. But I want to talk to you this morning. I want to encourage you that you've not just been saved, but you've been brought into the most incredible of inheritances that you can live in and out of every day of your life. And I want to encourage you, I want to challenge you and say, are you, are you living out of that? Do you see that? Do you know that? Are you living out of that? And if you're not, I want to encourage you, hey, God wants you to. It's part of your inheritance. Don't let it go. So let's look at the first um, aspect of our inheritance that I've got here in my points. The first inheritance that it ours in Christ. And the first point is this. It's the presence of God. The Holy Spirit. 
Ephesians 1 verse 13 and 14 says this, And you also were included in Christ when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of salvation. When you believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of his glory. So here you have it, right up front, there it is, the promised Holy Spirit is part of our inheritance. Actually, he's a deposit, guaranteeing that there's an incredible fullness of inheritance that's yet to come. Do you know the most extravagant and generous expression of blessing that God has given us as Christians is himself. God himself coming and making his home with us. In John chapter 1, when it says the word became flesh and dwelt amongst us, I mean, that literally translated is the word became flesh and he come, came and camped with us or, or tabernacled with us. And then in John chapter 14, when the scripture speaks about how the Holy Spirit will come and make his home with us, it's the same thing. The Holy Spirit, hey, he's going to come and camp with you. He's come and dwell with you, make his home with you, tabernacle with you. Do you know him? Do you experience his presence and activity in your life? Do you hear his voice? Do you know his touch? Do you experience his power? Does he bring your Bible to life when you read it? Does he keep making you more and more like Christ every day, every month, every year? Do you have or exercise his gift, the gift of tongues, prophecy, the word of wisdom, miracles, healing, or any of his gifts that are listed in Romans 12 or 1 Corinthians 12. Let me read you this article by Francis Chan, who's a church leader and well-known speaker. He said this, he said, I cannot make someone fall in love with Jesus. Only the Holy Spirit can do that. He said, it really came home to, for me, literally, with my own teenage daughter, who 18 months ago was not in love with Jesus. I spent nights crying, bawling, praying to the Lord. He said, here I am, known for my ability to communicate all over the world, but there was nothing I could do for my own daughter that would make her fall in love with Jesus. Of course, I could still guide her and lead her, but I was powerless to convict her of God's love. I prayed, God, either your spirit comes into her or your spirit doesn't. It doesn't matter how great a dad I am, I cannot bring her to life. One day she came into my room and she said, hey dad, you were right. The Holy Spirit wasn't living in me, but now he is. She talked about how near she was to God and how everything had changed. And he says, my wife and I were skeptical. We really wanted to see evidence of change. But 18 months later, I can say she's really, really different, really changed, more Christ-like, a new creation. I didn't do that. It was a presence and activity of the Holy Spirit in her life that did that. Do you know the Holy Spirit? 
Do you know his presence and activity in your life? Is he filling your life or is he confined to a corner or a sort of a section of your life? Are you living in the fullness of the Holy Spirit's activity in your life? I just need a volunteer. Paul, why don't you come and just help me here? Let's, uh, if we can get the camera, if you can take this uh, bit of water there and hold it up for the camera. Okay, so... What I have here is some Alka-Seltzer. Anyone remember that? Okay, that's fine. I want to suggest to you this morning that you can live, living with the Holy Spirit is like living with Alka-Seltzer. Is that okay? Don't say it's heresy, not yet, till you see the, how it's going to work. So here's a question. We can live with the Holy Spirit like that. Yeah? Don't move it about too much. It's your own camera and you're trying to be helpful. <laughs> okay, so we, we, are we living with the Holy Spirit like that? Compartmentalized, sectioned off. You can have access to some of my life, but not all my... We living with the Holy Spirit like that? Or, new water. Are we living with the Holy Spirit as we're meant to be living with the Holy Spirit? which is like that. The Holy Spirit, that's fine. I think people have got it. Well done. Give him a round of applause. Just give me a bit of encouragement. The Holy Spirit is our inheritance. How do you want to live with him? Do you want to live with him wrapped and contained in your life or unwrapped and fizzing and filling the whole of your life and glass? Do you want to live with him like a blocked up well or like a bubbling spring? Our goal is to live in such a way as to unwrap the packaging around the presence and power of the Holy Spirit within us and let the fullness of his grace and power and life fill every area of our lives at all times. The presence of God Active and dynamic in your life is your inheritance. Don't settle with living with the Holy Spirit wrapped and contained. You need to live in his presence in such a way that you're feeling his life, his energy, his touch, his power working in you and through you at all times, in all situations. Don't settle with a Christian life that's anything less than that because God's greatest inheritance to us is actually himself. The second inheritance that is ours in Christ is the righteousness of God. Romans 5.17 says this, For if by the trespass of the one man death reigned through that one man, how much more will those who receive God's abundant provision of grace and of the gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ? Christ. Righteousness is a gift from God. It's part of every Christian's inheritance. Romans 5, 10, 17 tells us it's a gift that enables us to reign in life rather than be defeated by life. There are two expressions of this gift, of this inheritance of righteousness. The first expression of this gift gift is justification, which is a legal term. 
where when you've saved, you have been declared righteous by the maker and creator of the universe who is also the judge of all things. When we are justified in and through Christ, he has declared us righteous. We wear the righteousness of Christ as a cloak. We can't earn it. It's a gift. So justification is one expression of our inheritance, of of the gift of righteousness, but another expression of our inheritance when it comes to righteousness is sanctification, which is the work of the Holy Spirit, whereby the Holy Spirit makes us in real true life more and more Christ-like in our attitudes, behaviours and nature. I have absolutely loved living out of these gifts over the last 35 years. I have loved being able to stand completely clean with a clear conscience, free from guilt, free from condemnation, knowing I'm completely forgiven, not because I'm not a selfish, self-centered sinner, because I am. Not because I've not done lots of things wrong multiple times, even as a Christian, because I have. But because Christ has died for me and given me his righteousness, his righteous life as a gift. And when God looks at me, a self-centered sinner, who does he see? He sees Christ. Whose righteousness does he see? Christ's righteousness. How on earth could I stand in the presence of God if I didn't have that free gift of righteousness that I could stand in and be clothed in and stand in his presence in? I couldn't even look on his face. I couldn't even mention his name if I didn't have and live in that wonderful, wonderful, wonderful inheritance that is ours called justification in Christ. And when I mess up again and again and I'm truly repentant, that means turning from that wrongdoing, he forgives me again and removes my sin as far as the east is from the west and it's just as if I've never sinned. I absolutely love the gift of justification and I've lived my life on the basis of it and I've lived out of it as a well spring of my inheritance. And by the grace of God, I'll continue to do so till the day I die. And exactly the same is true of sanctification. I am so grateful that by the grace of God and the power of the Holy Spirit, that sin has less and less reign in my life with every passing year. I am unrecognisable from the person I was 35 years ago and I'm quite changed from the person I was 10 years ago and even five years ago and even one year ago because the Holy Spirit has taken more and more of Christ's righteousness and increasingly worked it into my life, into my attitudes, into my responses, into my perspectives, into my desires and into my behaviour. I would be so demoralized if I kept making the same mistakes and doing the same sin again and again and again without any progress whatsoever. Without any change, without actually seeing more of Christ's righteousness in my life. God, I would find that. I'd be grateful for justification, but I'd spend my life demoralized half the time if it wasn't for the gift of sanctification, that power and grace of the Holy Spirit to make you more holy and more like Christ that I'm living with each day. Am I there yet? No. 
Have I got a long way to go till I'm perfect like Jesus? A long way to go. Have I made progress? An enormous amount of progress in being more Christ-like. Am I still making progress today, yesterday, and growing in the likeness of Christ? Absolutely, I am. The righteousness of God in the form of justification and sanctification is a gift. It's your inheritance. It's a well you should be drawing life from and enjoying. So I want to encourage you this morning, enjoy it, both aspects of it. Draw deep from it and live fully out of this incredible inheritance of the gift of righteousness. That's how people reign in life. Through justification and applying it and living it, and then through sanctification. That's how you reign. Rather than getting defeated all the time. And it's a journey. And it's a journey of grace. But it's a journey of God's power. Working our lives. Oh, that the people of God would really draw and tap into the inheritance of righteousness. And they would not be up and down in the way they so often are. But they would know victory even in disappointments, even in failures, even when they fall and when they stumble, because the grace of God and the gift of righteousness makes provision for those struggles and difficulties and falls and disappointments as well. Amen? Amen. Okay, good. You've gone a bit quiet at that point. You're either under great conviction or you're just sort of taking it in and thinking, yes, we need to live more out of justification and sanctification. Let's talk about the third inheritance that's yours in Christ. I want to talk about the love of God. So I've talked about the presence of God. I've talked about the righteousness of God. Let's talk about the love of God. Ephesians 1, verse 4 to 5 says this, For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love, he predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will. And then 1 John 3, 1, A. See what great love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called children of God and that is what we are. How amazing is the love of God? How amazing is the love of God that chose us before the creation of the world. Didn't choose us as a job lot. I choose you lot. Chose us by name. To be his. Not because he had to. It says according to his pleasure and will and out of his love. He chose us. Not only did he chose us, choose us to, to, to be with him, but he, that love also adopted us and brought us into his family. Not only did he choose us and adopt us, but he also gave us an incredible identity. Sons and daughters of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. A chosen people. 
a royal priesthood, a holy nation. Once we didn't belong to God, now we belong to God. We're his. Incredible sense of value and identity. Incredible sense of worth he's bestowed on us. The cross is the ultimate statement that you're worth something to God. That he would die for you. I mean, I know it sometimes sounds a bit cliche, but if you were the only person that need dying for, he would have died for you on the cross. The love of God that... I mean, when Christ died for you on the cross, it's the ultimate statement in the universe that you are of value and you are of worth to someone, to God himself. The love of God shows us, adopted us, gives us incredible identity and bestows upon us amazing value in a world where people are just constantly struggling to find their identity and know who they are and get some sense of value and worth from this and for that and the other thing. Oh my goodness, it's been given to us as a gift. If we would know how to live out of it. The ultimate expression of love for someone is wanting to be with them. God literally moved heaven and earth to be with you. Let me read you uh, an article by Tim Keller who leads, again, he's a a church leader in New York. Tim Keller says this. He says, imagine you're a billionaire and you have three $10 bills in your wallet. You get out of a cab and you hand the driver one of the bills for an $8 fare. And later in the day, you look in and you find out that there's only one $10 bill in your wallet. And you say to yourself, hey, either I dropped a $10 bill somewhere or I gave the taxi driver two $10 bills. What are you going to do? Are you going to get all upset? Are you going to go to the police and demand they search the city for the cab driver? No. You're going to shrug. You're a billionaire. You lost $10. You are too rich to be concerned with that kind of loss. This week, somebody criticised you. Something you bought or invested in turned out to be less valuable than you thought. Something you wanted to happen didn't go the way you wanted it to. These are real losses. But what are you going to do if you're a Christian? Will this setback disrupt your contentment with life? Will you shake your fist at God, toss and turn at night? If so, I submit that it's because you don't know how truly rich you are. If you're that upset about your status with other people, if you're constantly lashing out at people for hurting your feelings, you might call it a lack of self-control or a lack of self-esteem, and it is, but more fundamentally, you've totally lost touch with your identity. As a Christian, you're a spiritual billionaire and you're wringing your hands over $10. If only, if only, if only the people of God knew how much they were loved. If only we were secure in our value and identity in him. We are billionaires 
but so often we live as paupers. The love of God is an amazing inheritance to live out of, to draw your sense of value and identity from. Are you living that way? Or are you living as a pauper? I'll go through them quite quickly, actually. When I get through four or five, I'm going to miss that one. Jump to the next one. Actually, there's more than seven inheritances you've got. There's probably there's probably about several hundred. You understand that are in the scripture, but I'm just brought a few of them to you this morning. Let's talk about your inheritance in terms of of the steadfastness of God. Psalm 18, verse 1 to 2, says this. It says, I love you, Lord, my strength. The Lord is my rock, my fortress, and my deliverer. My God is my rock in whom I take refuge, my shield and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold. Our inheritance is to live with that God, him as our God. This is who and what God has been to me over the last 35 years. I'm so grateful to God that part of my inheritance is the opportunity to build my life, my marriage, my family, my hopes, my dreams, my aspirations on a totally different foundation to any foundation that the world has to offer. To build it all on Christ, the unchanging, immovable, unshakable rock. What an inheritance. It doesn't mean that everything's been easy. It doesn't mean there's been a complete absence of trouble or difficulty, nor that things never feel as though they've gone wrong or proved disappointing. But it has meant that everything that's been built on him in our lives has stood firm. I was recently contacted by some friends, well, a friend and sort of via him someone else, a, a university friend that I hadn't had any contact with for 15 years. And uh, he contacted me and he actually talked to me about, you know, what's happening in your... Well, he talked to me about what was happening in his life and how his marriage was in difficulties and how he was, his son was in difficulties and how his daughter, the daughter was towards him and the dysfunction in their relationship and how his health was, and how his job was, and it was actually, it was a painful, I, I was really pained. You know, he was, he was someone I met on the first day of university. We were 18 years of age at Manchester University Medical School. We met each other in the first week. We stayed friends, because you often do with those that you meet the first week. Full of hopes, full of dreams, full of aspirations. Here we were, many years later, in our mid-50s, talking about how life had gone. And actually, there was a lot of brokenness in his life. And then he told me about one of the other friends that we were close to, how his marriage was in trouble and all sorts of things that were happening there. And that same week, I had connections with my brothers where all sorts of things were broken and falling apart and getting into trouble in their lives, and I, I found myself talking to Linda afterwards, and I, I just said, you know, 
There's absolutely no difference between me and my friends or my brothers. We're exactly the same. There's only one difference. I've chosen to build my life on Christ the rock. And they've built their lives. I'm not a better person than they. I'm not more sensible and wise. Not at all. The only difference is we've chosen to build on different things and in different places. doesn't mean everything's perfect. We can hit all sorts of issues. Even Linda and myself can hit all sorts of issues. But we constantly come back to the rock. The Bible's quite clear. Building our lives on any other foundation other than Christ is like building our house on sand. I asked that in another church, and they didn't have the answer. I don't know what Bible they're reading. (laughs) I thought it was fairly obvious. But it is. One of the great things, the inheritance we have in Christ, we're not just saved, not just relationship, but it gives us a completely different foundation to build everything on. This is a gift. Oh my goodness. Why would Christians build on sand when they could build on the rock? And yet they do. You and I have an incredible inheritance security and confidence to build our lives on Christ, our rock, our fortress, our shield, our refuge, our stronghold. Every other foundation will ultimately fall. Where are you drawing your security from? What are you building on? If it's Christ, keep going. Keep drawing from that well. Keep living out of that inheritance. If it's not, then I want to encourage you this morning, for goodness sake, shift what you're building on sand and put it on the rock, because that's a glorious inheritance when it comes to building. Okay, let's just do one more to finish, and then uh, how many will I have done? Five? Okay, that's pretty good. Uh, uh, No, no, I just finished on this last one. I've got the seventh well here, but it's probably your fifth. So... It's very simple, just to finish. It's it's the eternal things of God are also part of our inheritance. Um, 1 Peter 1, verse 3 and 4 says this. Praise be to the God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil or fade And this inheritance is kept in heaven for you. In 1997, Princess Diana died. She had two sons, as you know, William and Harry, at the time. She left to them an inheritance of £16 million, um, which actually is about £22 million now with all the investments and that. But she left that. But through their teens and 20s, they had to live on an allowance... They had to live on a a deposit of it. They were actually only able to come into the full inheritance when they were 30 years of age. Could they fully inherit it? I I suppose this morning I simply want to say this. You know, God has saved us. He's brought us into relationship with him. He's brought us into glorious riches, boundless riches, an amazing inheritance. You know, the presence of God himself. 
the, the love of God. Um, what else did I say? The love of God, the presence of God, the righteousness of God, the steadfastness of God. And yet the fullness of our inheritance is actually kept for us in eternity. I love the inheritance that is mine in Christ. I've lived my life out of it. And I continue to live my life out of it. I feel incredibly rich, and I thank God for that every day. But you know what is, amazes me? Oh, this is just a foretaste. This is just a little deposit. This is just a, a taste. The fullness is yet to come. Oh, my goodness. If, if this is a foretaste, if this is deposit, hey, I am really, really looking forward to what's coming when it's time for me to go home. Amen? Amen. Okay, God bless you all.